This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hey, everybody. Back with you. Matt Bagley here. Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Thank you for the well wishes. The wedding was phenomenal. The whole the honeymoon was even better. Uh, the way we said it at the time, wheels down in San Diego, was it was the best vacation I've ever had. And in fact, it was so good that I needed a vacation after the vacation because I had a flight delay on the way back and then I caught a cold on the way back. Still kind of recuperating from that. You you might hear a sniffle or a sneeze or worse on this pod, but I'll do my best to uh, soldier through and, um, you know, do my best to just bring us the podcast this week. We'll have Justin Hopkins, the man behind Scoop Duck. We'll also have two new writers at Scoop Duck, who I think are really talented and accomplished. We'll have Joel Gunderson at the end of the pod. He's written a couple of books and just came off of a really fascinating 30 for 30 series on the Ducks that you could read at Scoop Duck. And we'll have Jared Denny in a couple of minutes, previously a reporter in Corvallis before that. Dude worked in the major leagues covering two MLB teams and is an Oregon alum as well. So lots of like about those guys. Uh, Justin, my friend, it's been a whirlwind week and a half for me. What's new in your life? Uh, well, I didn't get to go to San Diego and have all the fun that you did. But, uh, not, you know, nothing's new. Just obviously, uh, you know, working with our new writers and, and of course, uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, recruiting event was in Eugene on Saturday, so I was there for that. Uh, actually, next week, uh, I the <laughs> here's the problem when you have seven people in the house and everybody's got so much going on. You know, we we try and do a family vacation every summer. It's it's nearly mandatory. Uh, we try and do something semi fun. Um, don't have the pocketbook for the Caribbean or anything like that, but we make it make fun. But anyways, next week we're, is our family vacation, and we're going to go. Uh, we rented a houseboat at Shasta for the week. So I'm pretty, pretty doggone excited about that. Um, and kind of counting the days because you know, I'm just one of those people that there's no bad days on the lake. And I realized that if your boat sinks or something, that is a bad day. But, uh, you know, other than that, there are no bad days on the lake. So I'm, I'm going to be happy just to sit on the back of a houseboat and jump in the water when I need to. And, and maybe, uh, maybe do a little bit of wake surfing and all that stuff with my kids. See, it's funny you talk about days and a boat on the lake. The, the term that I grew up with was the two best days of boat ownership are the day you get the boat and the day you get rid of the boat. You know, I, I hear that, and don't get me wrong, every time uh, my boat breaks down, which so far has only been once in over a year, I'm knocking on wood, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, I love it. I love being out there. I love seeing the kids jumping in the water. And I love seeing that their, you know, their phones pretty much go into the little, uh, you know, the cubby we have for phones that keep them dry. And, you know, just them being kids and having fun and surfing and tubing and all that stuff. So yeah. I do, I do understand that sentiment. But for me, uh, I 
couldn't be, I just couldn't feel more privileged uh, and blessed that we do have one and are being able to enjoy it with our kids before uh, they're gone. Cause we have added a second 16 year old driver into the house now. And uh, I, I just feel that window closing <laughs> really quickly of, <laughs> of how much longer they're going to be around. But uh, uh, I guess that's parenthood for you. Right on, right on. And I love it. I mean, I, I, my grandparents, their family home was in Reading. So growing up as a kid, we would spend a lot of summers out on Lake Shasta too. It's a beautiful place. Uh, let's talk ducks. There are so many crackpot conspiracy theories right now about what realignment will look like for the Pac-12, for Oregon. What's the best move? Do you you know, merge with the Big Ten? Do you bail and form a super conference with the best of what's left everywhere else? I'm curious what you think about all that. Man, it's just, you know, there's a lot of speculation about everything. So here's what happens, and, and I've, I've talked about this in recruiting and it applies here. You know, when the stakes are higher, all of a sudden everybody starts coming out of the woodworks and they, I have a source here. I have a source here. You know, I have a source here and I'm not saying that, that that's wrong, but that is what happens. And so now with this being such a massive topic, like nationally, not just in the Oregon or Pac-12 market, it's everywhere. You've got everyone that seems to know somebody that knows something and it gets really hard to kind of weed through. And, and I, I, I guess at the end of the day, no matter what I read, uh, no matter what I see or what I think, it all comes down to money. It comes down to what makes the most financial sense for these conferences and these schools within the conference. I think if I'm just making an education educated guess, uh, I think the Big 12 is toast. I don't think that there's any way that that conference continues to exist. They are not strong from a network standpoint, they are not strong from uh, a revenue standpoint. Uh, even the Pac-12 is ahead of them, and they have terrible TV rights. I think that's the biggest hurdle for the Pac-12 currently is the stalwart uh, that George Klyakov is facing with the media rights for the Pac-12. I think that hinders them a little bit. I, I do feel very strongly that the best move that I think that maybe not the Pac-12 in whole can make, but Oregon could make along with several of the upper end members would be an alliance or some some way to join the Big Ten, which in my mind is, is the second best conference right now in football. And in terms of revenue, they are, the, they are the top conference, much to my surprise. They have a strong TV deal in place already with Fox. That's going to make them very attractive. Fox has been very kind and friendly to the Pac-12, to USC, to Oregon, uh, to some of their top schools. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, the, the SEC brought two schools in. Uh, I think it's a matter of time before the SEC decides what their next pivot will be. Mm-hmm. And basically, unless the Big Ten moves first, the SEC is going to continue to pick whoever they want. So uh, that, to me, is the way it goes. If the Pac-12 or let's just stick to Oregon for this matter, sits idle and thinks that the best move is to join up with the remaining members or some of the remaining members of the Big 12, I think I think you've put yourself in, in a worse position and would ultimately end up at least being the number three conference at best. And again, I think we're headed towards two super conferences at some point. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, maybe not in five years, but I think that's the direction of college football. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think right now it's harder to pinpoint the best move for the Pac-12 and a lot easier to pinpoint the worst move. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. The worst move they could make is an outright merger with the Big 12 remaining schools because the, the market sizes just don't compare. On, on one hand, you've got a market like, say, Seattle, or both the Oregon schools can say Portland. Um, all the Cali schools can say the Bay Area or L.A. Um, Utah, they can say Salt Lake City. That's a major city, major market. Colorado, Boulder, and Denver, major markets. Compare that to Oklahoma State, which is based in Stillwater, or to Texas Tech uh, out in the boonies, or, or Baylor, right? These are not... We're not talking about Dallas and Houston and San Antonio. We're talking about Lubbock and and some of the real outskirts. And and yeah, Texas is huge. There's a you know sprawling population out there. But I I think there's very little to gain from a market standpoint. And thus, if you're George Klievkoff, very little to gain from a TV revenue standpoint, because that's ultimately the driver here. The SEC went and added the two marquee college football programs out of the Big 12 because they know that's extra money in the pockets of every SEC member institution the next time there's a media deal to be negotiated. Instead of $40 million a year, you might get $50 million a year or $60 million a year because you get to play Texas or Oklahoma every other year. That's a, a, a huge boon in, in money that helps not just the football program but everything in the bottom line athletically. So I, I'm with you. Um I, I like the idea of maybe a non-conference partnership with some of the Big 12 schools just so that you get the minnows off the schedule in the Pac-12. Like, if we're honest, no one's going to tune in and watch outside of Oregon when the Ducks kill San Jose State or kill right. Portland State in a given year. Um, no right. one's going to watch... Or, or can watch sometimes because of the way the TV networks work, when Oregon State goes to Hawaii. Um, if you instead play a Big 12 school or a Big 10 school, you're at least going to get some casual college football fans tuning in just for the sake of a new different kind of game with two teams that they you know might know a little bit. Um I, I, I think that angle is one you pursue in the short term so you don't commit yourself to the wrong decision, a rushed decision, and you get through the Pac-12's TV deal, and then you kind of sort things out from there. Like, what do the TV networks want? Do they want Stillwater and, and Kansas City and some of these markets in the same conference with the Pac-12? Do they want... A AAU merger of your your academic powers in the Big Ten and your academic powers in the Pac-12. Do they want something else? I, I think there's still a lot of time to determine that. Yeah, I think uh, I do think best move, best case scenario is some sort of merger with the Big Ten, even if it's your top four or six, which you know does by and large you know kind of kill off the Pac-12 but I think it's the best play for Oregon and those schools that would go. 
Uh, if that's not the case, I think, you know, like you said, maybe some sort of scheduling alliance with the Big 12, not necessarily merging the two conferences, but some sort of scheduling alliance. Because like like you said, I think there are years, uh, you know, not every year, but there are years where Oregon and Oklahoma State moves the needle. You know, that's a fun game. That's, you know, that's that's going to be interesting to some fans. But uh Again, it's you know uh, I I I still think, and I know there's there's folks that have different opinions on this. I still think it's a matter of time before the SEC. I think they dipped their toe in here, and I think it, they were not only were they successful. I think it was easier than they expected it to be, and I think it's only a matter of time before they decide, hey, let's just put our whole hand in here and 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 finish this thing. Um, I know that they can do it whenever they want. But of course, you still got to operate strategically, which which they are doing. I think the other conferences are the ones that have to move a lot more swiftly than the than the than the uh, SEC does. And right as you say that, it looks like our first guest is uh, on the way in. Jared Denny joined the site. I think you announced it yesterday. Am I right? You announced that yesterday. Yeah. Technically, his first day was Sunday, which was August first. But uh, you know, obviously. Uh, you know, just it, it was a little made a little more sense to announce it on Monday. But yeah, Monday morning, uh, bright and fresh, announced him as part of the squad, and uh, he's been killing it ever since. Okay, Jared Denny, let's bring him in. Okay, so we introduced him at the end of that last segment. Jared Denny used to be a Major League Baseball beat writer before that, an Oregon alum, and uh, after working in the big show. Had a stint in Corvallis for the paper of record over in enemy territory. Now he's back in Eugene, back in his home country, and getting to cover the Ducks for Scoop Duck. Uh, we're going to ask you about what you saw at Oregon Media Day yesterday. It's a spectacle unlike any, uh, unlike nothing else in college football at Oregon. Uh, but first, Jared, I'd just love to know, how excited are you, and and what are you looking forward to now that you get to cover your alma mater again? Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on today, and um, more than anything, I'm just so excited to be back. Um, I mean, the thing I'm looking forward to most, honestly, um, I mean, it was funny walking into Austin yesterday. I realized the last time I had been at an Oregon Media Day was um, 2016 in the lead up to Mark Helvich's last year, which we all sort of know how how that ended. Um, and there's, there's just such a better vibe around the program now than there was at that point for a, a number of reasons, obviously. I don't have to explain that. But um, it, it was just really, really cool to be back around such a kind of vibrant, exciting program. It's, it's definitely been a while. Uh, Jared, you know, kind of follow up with that. This was, I know, you know, from a distance, you were able to kind of watch Mario Cristobal and, and kind of see the changes and stuff. But kind of seeing him in person, the way he interacted with media, the way he interacted yesterday, what 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 just kind of impressed you most about him coming out of that uh, media day? It's just the confidence and the clear vision and the, the clear and obvious plan for not how they hope things to go or want things to go, like the, the expectation of this is how things are going to go. And I, I know for people uh, who are kind of deep in the duck stuff and have been for years, obviously I've been away for a little bit, um, it's not the case to every program and that's not just Oregon state. Um, it's kind of most programs in the country besides obviously like the 10 or 20 um, consistent contenders. Um, there's just, there's just such a feeling of um, everything is so on track and going the way it's supposed to be. If that makes sense. 
how would you say let's not ask it this way let's ask what was okay i know that you're you know you're duck alum and, and happy to be back but what was maybe one of your favorite things about covering uh oregon state uh in the time that you were there it's really cool to cover a program on the rise and i, I know a lot of duck fans <laughs> probably don't see the beavers as being a program on the rise or maybe hope they won't be but um i, I think there is something to be said for the job that Jonathan smith's doing up there and he's, he's a smart intelligent coach who has made really good use of the transfer por- portal um, which is something I think he had to do because um, it's so hard to kind of recruit to Corvallis. Um, so it's sort of fun to follow that and sort of that unique twist of the way they've done things. And it, it's an interesting program. I, I came up, kind of got my start covering um, high school football in Oregon. And um, it's cool to see so many local kids who were one, two, three-star recruits um, go up there and kind of make a name for themselves. Jaden Grant from West Lynn is sort of one of the guys that I, I really, really enjoyed covering who had that local connection. So that was always really fun. Um, I, I, I'm curious as somebody that you've, you've worked at that high school prep level, you've worked at a collegiate level, you've worked at a professional level. Um, a, a lot of folks in media, their dream is to come back to the alma mater. Was that your dream? It was my dream, and for the, the longest time, I didn't know if it was ever going to happen. Like you said, I was out in Arizona covering the Diamondbacks the summer after I graduated, and the next summer went out to Minnesota and was covering the Twins, and if I'm being honest, I didn't know if I was ever going to end up again in Oregon, and those both those stints were on internship basis, so um, it was never a guaranteed thing. I was going to stay around, and MLB sort of made some staff cuts after all that ended, and it ended up not working out the way I was hoping, but I was lucky enough to come back here and uh, pick up a lot of freelance work with some really great editors that I had made some connections with and eventually joined on at the Corvallis because at times where I, I honestly had a great time um, it's a hard job market right now to be honest and I was really fortunate to, to end up at a really good paper and have some great editors and some great reporters that, who I worked alongside so it was definitely a lot of fun but kind of going back to your original question um, it, it is a, a dream come true to be back and I was getting really nostalgic um, walking into Autzen yesterday I, I'm I'm you're speaking to the choir when you talk about how hard of a job this is for you uh, over the last year plus. Uh, try to try to explain that you know just how difficult media has been in the pandemic uh, for for the listeners that might not know. Yeah, it was difficult before the pandemic. It, it's really really hard. And um, I mean, coming up, I graduated from U of O in 2017. I, I got my start at Lane Community College, where I worked for the student paper there, and. Um, always had dreams of like working for the register guard or working for the Oregonian and eventually hopefully going on to bigger and better papers. Um, I think that's every journalist kind of hope for their trajectory. And that reality just isn't sort of what it used to be. It's those jobs are so rare. Um, the way I like to compare it is it's sort of like musical chairs. Like mm-hmm. you have to wait for somebody to leave a really good job and then hope that you can kind of beat out the dozens or hundreds of other people who are applying for it. So it's not um, something for the faint of heart for sure. Um, and in that sense, um, I think I am really lucky that I've, I mean, found this opportunity with Justin and found a way to continue covering um, really competitive college football in a, a less traditional sense. But if I'm being honest, um, it's, it's sort of the way to go forward. Um, obviously everything's going digital based and, and I'm still really nostalgic for newspapers. I love the feeling of holding a newspaper in my hand and, kind of reading and um, getting a connection with your local reporters. And I think I'm always going to have that feeling, but it's, it's a really hard way to make a living at the moment. Oh yeah. 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 
Yeah, no, you're right. I think I don't think there's anybody out there that that wishes that newspapers would go away. But, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's like anything else in the world. We, we continue to evolve in all facets. And, you know, there are casualties from that. And, you know, there are benefits uh, to that as well. And, and I guess uh, that's the two sides of the coin here is, you know, with everything going digital or online. Now you have basically instant access to news on your phone all the time. But you know, what's gone by the wayside is, is those newspapers and, and that print and uh, totally get what you're saying there. And, and that's the other thing. I think you do a good job saying there, Jared, I don't think people realize how tough this industry is uh, to find an opportunity to be able to land an opportunity and for that opportunity to actually pay a livable wage, you know, and, and that's everybody. That, oh, it's, if you're a good, if you're a good writer, you'll get a job or you'll always have a job. And it's like, no, no, there's, it's, it's uh it's completely different. But uh, so we know a little bit about what you've done here recently. Uh, kind of going back here, when 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 did you, you know, when did you decide that you wanted to go to Oregon, I guess, in the first place? And when did you decide that 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 maybe working in the media was for you, Jared? Yeah, it's funny. I, I grew up in Cottage Grove, Oregon, just south of Eugene. For people who may not know where that's at, it's a really, really small town of like 10,000. I didn't have a ton of plans for college um i enrolled at lane as kind of i thought i was gonna be a business major and then i thought it was gonna be kind of a kinesiology major and go into athletic training and i realized i wasn't very good at numbers and wasn't very good at science and it was gonna take a really long time to get one of those degrees and um i kind of just to fulfill some general credits took a a news writing class and had an, an incredible um professor there who um, taught me a lot in, in the span of a really short 12 week class and also um, told me like, Hey, you like sports. Why don't you go write for the student paper there? Um, they're always looking for sports writers. And I took the plunge and did that and ended up kind of just getting immersed in that world of working a gajillion hours a week at a student paper for really crappy pay and sort of loving every minute of it. It was awesome. And um, it, it kind of made me realize like I can do this for the rest of my life. If I work really hard and hustle really hard at it and, it kind of all started from there. Um, a year or two later, I started freelancing um, with the Register Guard, just covering high school and small college stuff, and eventually transferred o- over to U of O and got started at the Daily Emerald there, the, the best student paper in the country, in my opinion, um, and, and really built a name for myself from there, covering the Ducks. So um, it, it took a little bit to get it off the ground, and it's something, if I'm being honest, when I was 18 years old, I, did, I don't know if I could have imagined things unfolding this way, but I'm really glad that it has because I've... I've gotten to cover a, a ton of really, really cool teams, and it's taken me a lot of places. So it's it's been fun in that sense. Could you share a favorite event or favorite moment that you ever got to cover? My favorite moment that I ever covered? Uh, you know, the last season I covered the Ducks, and it, it would have still been 2016 at that point, that really, really bad um, Mario, or Mark Helfridge, uh, Brady Hoke team, and um, I traveled to Utah to cover um, mm. the, the Ducks at Utah, and for those mm. who don't remember, Darren Carrington caught a game-winning touchdown, yeah. and and I don't know why that game has stuck with me so much, but it was just the environment, and I think if I remember right, Carrington had um, just gotten in some trouble the day before, and by all rights, shouldn't have probably even been on that trip, and I just remember kind of the craziness of being down on the field for that, and and watching Oregon erase like a 14 point comeback. And then j- just the whole environment of getting into Salt Lake su- super early and getting out super late and um, just kind of that whole rush. And that was sort of one of those moments where I was like, okay, I'm covering a not very good team and not very good circumstances. And this is just so much fun because of like the hecticness 
that kind of comes with it. So that one definitely stands out. I'm sure there's been sort of more glamorous, more memorable moments, but that was just a lot of fun. Uh, you're with us now, Jared, uh, scoop duck. We've got you. We're excited. Maybe just real quick before we get into media day reaction from you, what, uh, you know, what I think we described a little bit, but what are some of your, uh, uh, what's what's uh, what are you going to be doing with the site? What do you plan on doing? What's your daily contributions look like? Um, just kind of give the folks a little a glim- glimpse of of what you'll be doing for them uh, in the days, week, months ahead. Yeah, so I'm going to be um, basically your traditional beat reporter um, at Mediaville Little every day at, at every game, and just kind of trying to bring as much news as possible to the site um, in, in any way, shape, and form shape or form and that's going to come with you know just kind of the 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 daily um news release stuff a a lot of feature stories um that's something i've always been really passionate about is long form writing and obviously not every story can be a kind of a five thousand word six source epic feature but i think it's i think that's one of the aspects and privileges that's really cool about this job is getting to know these athletes and kind of understanding what makes them tick and what what makes them special is not just athletes but people and I, i really want to bring that um, shine some light on that for the site as well. So definitely expect a lot of that whenever I have some free time to kind of dig into some feature stuff. And yeah, sort of, I'm sort of looking forward to being the Scoop Utility guy and just kind of doing everything that's asked of me. It's going to be great. Mm, a lot of buzzwords that I love there. Utility guy <laughs> and, you know, all, all the feature pieces. I'm thinking Rob Mosley, Rob Mosley, Rob Mosley, just blinking off the back of my head. I can't wait to read this stuff. Um, let, let's talk media day. Your early impressions of Mario Cristobal's football team heading into 2021. I think it's going to be really, really, really exciting. Um, again, it's it's been a while since I've covered a program that's this sort of um, exciting and at this point in its trajectory. So I'm probably a little more um, wide-eyed about the program in that sense. But um, there, there's just so much depth all over the roster. I mean, could you could you look at one position on the depth chart and – and be really worried about it. Um, it. It doesn't seem like it at this point. I'm sure there will be some con- concerns throughout the season, but it's just so exciting to see um, the recruiting efforts of the last few years really start um, to come to fruition. I think we're going to see that this year. Um, why don't who was the Steelers? Mario Cristobal. I know you sat there with Kayvon Thibodeau a little bit. What did you kind of think of of listening to him talk and and some of his goals and expectations for this year? Yeah, I I wrote a quick story about him after media day yesterday and tweeted it out this morning. But um, he just the the level of accountability that he has for himself. I mean, a guy coming off an All Pac twelve season by most publications, um, he he was a third or second team All American. I think a lot of people will be content to kind of sit on that and not continue to grind and not continue to get better. And the, the brief conversation I had with him yesterday, he was really, really um, not, not down on himself, but um, realistic about there's, there's some ways that I still need to get better. It's not, it's not a, I can't get better. It's and I need to get better. Um, and it just sounds like he's put in so much effort and so much work in this off season that I think you're going to see sort of this fully unleashed monster once he hits the field this year. Um, let's see, you talked to Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, who else did you talk to that maybe impressed you a little bit more than you were expecting? 
honestly sitting and talking with Robbie Ashford um, I had never had the chance to interview him before and um, obviously t- talking to a player is one thing um, you, you can learn you can learn a lot from talking to somebody in 10 minutes and then they can get out on the field and it's a, it's a whole different ball game but I was just really in, impressed with kind of his calmness and his poise and um, kind of the easiness he has about him and he's, he seems like somebody who has really high expectations for himself and our conversation sort of steered towards um, him juggling the baseball football um, duties that he had during the spring and just kind of how wacky and crazy his life was for a few months there um, while he was still playing both just kind of flying from meeting to meeting and he, did, he didn't really have the chance to be immersed with the football team like I mean most people gunning for a starting quarterback job would want to be and he's still um, in a really advantageous position I think to compete so I think that just speaks to kind of his talent and his character and the amount of work that he puts in that he's able to pull off that really really hard double who uh, who else were you able to speak with at Media Day that you'll be, uh, you know, obviously providing write-ups on eventually? Yeah, I talked with Anthony Brown, um, mostly about sort of his leadership um, characteristics and, and what he views as leadership. And um, I, I won't give away too much yet, but I, I think it was an in- interesting conversation. And he has some really philosophical views on what it means to be a leader. And that's, that's obviously going to be impactful, um, whether he ends up winning the starting job or not. Um, you can just tell by the way that people talk about him that he's really well respected um, as a leader in that locker room. Um, I'll have stories on Ty Thompson, um, one on Justin Flo. I'll, I'm trying not to give away all the good stuff yet, but yeah, there's there's definitely a few stories to, um, to come in the next few days um, before we get interviews again on Friday. Moving away from uh, media day just a little bit, uh what are a few of the other things that you kind of have planned in the hopper for, you know, obviously the next uh, 20, 25, 30 days before, uh, before we're back in Nazi stadium for football. Yeah. We're getting started on just kind of position by position breakdowns, which has always been one of my favorite things to do. I, I think it's just such a fun way to get acclimated with a roster. Um, and, and same with um, opponent previews. We're doing kind of some quick and easy just uh, first glances at everybody on Oregon's schedule, which is as much for me to familiarize myself with some of their opponents as, as it is for the readers, which will be fun. And then just going to um, continue to keep an eye on hopefully some longer features as, as we get more interviews with fall camp. We, we haven't gotten all the details on when exactly we're going to get which players and which coaches, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of sitting down with my calendar and plotting out some of those longer stories. Excellent. Uh, last thing here, something that, Matt and I do touch on frequently, uh, you know, you're a bit of a hophead. You got to go to beer right now. <laughs> you know, during the summer, I really, really love the Pelican raspberry, which is like maybe a little bit of a simple answer. Yes. Um, yes. Thank you. They're so good. It's, it's a, it's like a McMenamin's Ruby clone. I bought like 40 of those suckers. I loved them. Well, can, can you ship me some of them? Cause once they run out, they're, go- they're gone until they come back. Oh man. You know, I uh, I might have a pelican hookup for you, so I'll I'll uh, I'll reach out and see what I can do there. One of my Maybe. one of my one of my buddies reps for pelican. Wow, look at look at the perks of this job. This is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if there isn't there isn't many people I don't know, and if it's related to beer, it's probably even fewer. So. <laughs> well, Matt, that excuse me, it's a, a great shot on the ruby as well. It's my favorite McMinimins beer. So, yeah. um, yeah. we have we have more in common than I already thought. This is great. Cool. Yeah. The what is it? The Ru- the Rubinator? Is that oh, what yeah. you? Yep. Yeah. 
I don't, we don't have any McMinimins down here. So, um, you know, I don't get to them often and I do like McMinimins, but by the time I get to Portland or somewhere in that area where there is one, I'm usually going to great notion or one of the other, right. uh, you know, pretty legendary type breweries, but well, the, that's the, the, uh, the way I've always explained it to people, if I'm, if I'm in d- downtown, right, like, like you said, hey, I'm going to go to Great Notion. If I'm in downtown Beaverton or I'm in North Portland, I'm going to go hit up um, uh, that one with the, the Detroit-style pizza that, that you got me hooked on. Um, Ex Novo. Ex Novo, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to head over there. Or, or if I'm, you know, industrial, yeah, I'm going to go hit up one of the more established breweries. Um, but if I just want like a beer that I trust that I've already had, and I, I just want a good meal, something that I trust, uh, I live on the West side so I can get the sausage plate at the rock Creek McMenamins, or I can just go get a burger at any of them and the burgers rock. Um, and I have no frills, no worries. I'll go there. It's kind of like the Applebee's of microbrew that way. Like no one's gonna, <laughs> no one's gonna pick it on their own. No one's gonna go. Oh, I can't wait to go to Applebee's. But if you just want something that you trust, like you know what the meal is gonna be before you order it, no matter how good it is, you go there. Well, yeah, that's that's the reason chain restaurants exist is because consistency and you know what to expect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I can't tell you guys how many pictures of Ruby and platters of tater tots we crushed kind of on the <laughs> 19th and agate location during my college days so um, oh, yeah. it, it's always going to be a staple yeah no doubt no and and i know i i recall you know that McMinimus has always done their employees right um you know and and i know during the pandemic and stuff they were doing all they could to to you know help out their employees so i'll, I'll always support a company that that you know has those kind of values as well so uh jared Loved having you on, and of course, this is going to be something that'll be regular. You know, in the future, there might even be spots where Jared takes my place and Matt and Jared take over. You never know, so um, just be ready to hear more Jared and uh, in the future and read his terrific content he's going to put out. And uh, Jared, I guess maybe next week or week after, we will have you back on. Yeah, I appreciate it, fellas. It's been great. Okay, so we just had Jared Denny on the pod. I said we had another guest as well, and we got him waiting in the wings. Let's get you Joel Gunderson. So Joel Gunderson, another new Scoop Duck writer. This one I I think you've all had a little more introduction to because he's been with us for a few weeks now, has written that awesome 30 for 30 series detailing 30 topics about Oregon football in 2021. Uh, the the wrap-up piece, number one of the 30, came out earlier this week. Joel, what was the highlight for you of writing that series? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I'm going to have to say the highlight was probably submitting the, uh, the piece on USC being good or my, my desire for them to be good, knowing that uh, it was going to probably elicit a, a reaction, which it, it did, uh, not all of it positive, which I also assumed as well. But, you know, that that's part of the fun is uh, is stirring up conversation because we're all passionate. We all have a have a desire for this team to do well. And, uh, you know, with that comes differentiating opinions. And uh, but the, the entire series was was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was great to get back to writing. I took some time off after my last book just to 
let my head clear a bit. So when I, when Justin and I connected and we figured out a way to, to get me in the fold, uh, I was really excited. I hadn't had an opportunity to write about the Ducks in a long time. So getting back to my roots and, and writing about the team I love, it's been nice. And, and the 30 for 30 was a great way to start. Uh, it was tiring. I, I forgot 30 articles in 30 days, how much work that takes. But uh, glad to see it come to fruition and, and been overwhelmed with the positive feedback from, from people on the website. Uh, it's been really humbling and it's been just a, a ton of fun and, and love seeing the banter back and forth. Yeah. So just so folks know, the, at least the folks that listened, you know, the 30 for 30 series was entirely Joel's idea. You know, normally I am, am kind of the brains behind the content, but that was 1000% Joel's idea. He executed it perfectly. Uh, I don't think we hit it exactly 30 for 30, but we were so damn, we were just really damn close and that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, that was a big task to take off, uh, you know, to kick off things. Um, Joel, what, uh, on the heels of that, what are a couple of things that you might be working on next for us? And, uh, go ahead and go ahead and go, go, go ahead and go with that on what might, what might be coming next. Yeah, so I think we're going to plan to do a potential, uh, maybe the, look at the, the 15 breakout players uh, that I'm expecting this season. We're, we're accustomed to seeing, not that we're at media day, but you know, some of the guys that maybe are on the brink, maybe some red shirts uh, or guys that had a little bit of a little bit of a role the last couple of years, but uh, I think might be primed to, to reach out. Um, also, uh, you know, there's, there's so many things that I want to do during the season. And, uh, on the website yesterday, I was chatting back and forth with a few of the, of the readers. And, you know, I, I really enjoy doing more of the human interest side, uh, diving into players and coaches. And, and I, I've had a wonderful opportunity to talk to a lot of parents, uh, of recruits and of players on the team just to gather information and try to use that as a job, some ideas and, a big idea of something I want to do down the road. Not uh, not sure the timeline on it yet, so I'm going to keep it under wraps. But a lot of really exciting things I think that I I can bring to the table to the website and really try to you know we do we have so many great people that work, that work for the staff and write and and you know we have a lot of access to recruits and parents and stuff already and and to just be able to bring a, another element to that I think will be a lot of fun. And then obviously once the season starts, we're all we're all full go and and there's. You know, this is a big season. This is a really important season uh, for the program, for, for Mario himself. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I really, you know, taking off my green and yellow glasses even, I, I think this team has, uh, the, you know, the, the chance to really do something special. Uh, there are certainly areas along the way where they can, you know, have hiccups, but that's the same case every year. But, you know, 11 out of the 12 weeks that they go out on the field, they should be favored and they should win every single game. Obviously, that Ohio State game is going to be the big one that that uh, you know will be the stumbling block potential. But there's a lot of a lot of opportunity here for this team to go to the next step. So, uh, you know, aside from my human interest pieces, just really diving into the the day to day and the week to week of this team and seeing how they go. Uh, you mentioned your green and yellow glasses. For those who might not know, where did you get those glasses? How did you get those glasses? <laughs> so this is a great story. So the year was 1994. Uh, People might know that is a big season for Oregon. I was nine. And my dad took me to a game at Parker Stadium to watch Oregon State play USC. And uh, if I'm if my memory serves correct, this was the uh, Keyshawn Johnson USC team. Uh, and then a week later, we uh, got to go uh, watch a game, watch Oregon on TV. And just the experience and the difference and, seeing, and the colors and everything, I almost – 
thought to my head, like, why did you even take me to Oregon State? Like, this isn't even a question. <laughs> this, this is, I was, I was instantly hooked. It was, it was the colors. It was Autzen, and, and obviously, this was right before everything exploded. Uh, and then we we got to go to the Illinois game, uh, kickstarting the '95 season, and that was my first time at Autzen. And we, other than last year, uh, the 2020 season, that was the first time we had not uh, been to a game since that year, since that wow. time. So. Uh, yeah, it goes back to my dad and, and you know, we, uh, I, I, we grew up in the Salem area. So, you know, we'd take that drive down I-5 and you just, you, you have visions of the, of the cars and driving and the flags and everyone's honking. And, and, you know, when Oregon's playing Washington, you've got the, the Washington fans driving down and it turns into this almost like you're almost on teams on the freeway. And, and, <laughs> you know, when, when Jerry Allen and Georgie would come on the radio and it's just all so vivid, you know, of, of that coming up and that stuff sticks with you when you're a young kid. And I certainly took my passion probably way too far at times. And, but, uh, but that's the fun of it. And that's, you know, that's what sport can do for you. So it's, it's been an almost lifelong thing, and uh, people always sometimes roll their eyes when I say I've been a fan since '94. Like, well, yeah, well, who hasn't been? But you know, I was nine. I can be forgiven for not following too much before that. I think I, I love that you talk about going to games every year with your father. Um, my father and I were huge Raider fans. You know, NFL, Vegas Raiders. And growing up, we used to go to a game every year. I would always say that was my Christmas and my birthday mm-hmm. and, and Father's Day all combined into one. There's nothing like going to a game, following the team that you love with your dad. Oh, and that was my birthday present. <laughs> and we got to go to Tennessee in 2010, which was something that we had circled for a long time. And, and and that was a really special experience, and that whole that whole weekend was amazing. And we, we tried to we tried to make it to get out to Ohio State this year, but it wasn't in the cards. But uh, I, I'm still still pushing on a little bit because we have some certainly some big games down the road in, in the next few years. But yeah, it's a special bond. And and you know, I have three kids now, and I have a son. And and if any of them want to have that experience with me, uh, that will be real special. And and it's just yeah, it's it's real. You know, that's where sport and that's where especially college football to me has a, a real unique grip on families and uh, it's just a really cool thing to be a part of yeah i think that's you know i i think sports is in a pretty unique time right now with the integration of of obviously protocols and and political things that seem to have kind of woven their way into the sport but there's a reason like we love it that we're so passionate about it and oftentimes it's because of like you mentioned like for a lot of guys it's oh man i used to sit on the couch and watch raiders games with my dad every sunday or you know i remember my dad would take me to one game at Austin stadium every year and that was like our trip or you i mean there's lots of stories those are just a mm-hmm. couple examples but i think that that is what what makes sports what it is is that connection the the, the way that we're able to unplug from reality, from our, our work, although not for me particularly, <laughs> but for most. But, you know, that's our outlets. Like, honey, why are you always watching ESPN? Because I just, I, I can just, you know, tune out for a little bit and, and enjoy myself. And that's kind of the, and not to mention, you know, the tailgates. I think that's what makes college football kind of different along with the end of it you go out and you could tailgate and there's the you know there's the rivalries or, or there's just whatever and it makes it just something that just you you, you know you, you can't maybe totally say it exactly but you know it because you felt it and it just uh it makes it special um this season 
got uh, got a few question marks. Joel, for you, what's what are you most excited about for this team, and what are you most concerned about for this team moving forward? I, I think for me, uh, the most exciting part is, is kind of a two-parter. Uh, it's it's really seeing what an entire offseason with Joe Moorhead, uh, what we're going to see. Uh, it, you know, listening to Mario the last week, uh, at, at both at Media Day for the Pac-12 and then yesterday, you can see it in his eyes where when he starts to talk about what this offense could look like, you know, he, he's he's really good at towing the line of, of getting people excited but not saying too much. But you can tell he wants to just burst open and talk about this offense because we know what Joe Moorhead can do. And when he's really had a time to make an offense his own, like he did at the last, you know, when he was at Penn State, it's a special offense. It, it's it's explosive, but it's so diverse and unique. And let's be honest, I mean, Oregon probably has more talent on offense than those Penn State teams did. Now, they don't have a Saquon Barkley, uh, for example, but I mean, Penn State's offensive lines were never really anything to write home about, and, and Oregon certainly has the potential to be a lot better. Uh, and then you tie that in with the receiving core. And this was another, when I talked about that in the 30 for 30, uh, it did spark some debate because I said that, you know, it's been a very long time since the Oregon receiving core as a whole had guys that could get separation. And and people were coming back with with certainly, you know, individual players from time to time. And, and, and they're absolutely correct. Oregon's always had the ability to get, get a guy, you know, that could do that. But as a unit, they've never really had, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, as they've been on this run, it's always been the receiving core that was kind of the weak link of the offense. You know, it was under chip and, and that, you know, the 2014, 2015 teams were just so snake bitten with injuries at the receiving core that if you can take the experience of the guys like, like Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red and, and Micah Pittman with the, untapped potential of a Devin Williams who let's face it if he puts it together with his size and speed and athletic ability he could be one of the best receivers in the conference then you bring in of course the three young guys and then you could throw in a guy like Seven McGee who could go all over the place I, I, I think that we're sleeping a little bit on the offense because we don't know a lot about Anthony Brown even though we've seen him a lot we don't know how he's going to look you know with a real offense under him at Oregon I just I, I can't shake this feeling that you know after a couple of weeks when the, when the when it sinks in and they start working together, we could be looking at a really really special unit with a guy calling it that let's face it if he does what we think he does he's not going to be here probably a whole lot longer so we should enjoy uh, what he brings to the table and I just yeah I think when you combine that 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 untapped talent with the guys that are there and know what they're doing. And a guy that that is just so skilled at putting players in the right position, there could be really something special on the offensive side. And then, you know, when you combine that with the defense, at, at times we'll have probably four or five star players on the field. I mean, that's where when I talk about, I, I really, you know, I see something special building in this team. And and you know, there are going to be times where they look young because they are very young. But there are going to be times where you you kind of sit there with, with your eyes just wide open, thinking, "Wow, what what could be." Uh, both this year and in the future as these guys start to really put it all together. Yeah, it seems like that's the, been the uh, almost the message, you know, just, hey, look look at the talent we've acquired uh, over the last couple of years. Now it's time to push them and have them compete with one another. That, that seemed to be kind of the big message of media day yesterday was, you know, okay, we've, we've, we've kind of done a really good job of the talent acquisition part 
now it's time to develop and compete. And uh, it certainly seems like that's going to be the key to this season is to see how well these guys step up and compete. And I guess by and large, of course, obviously stay injury free, which is always, uh, you know, a big part of it. Um, this, uh, this season here, there's a, is there one or two games besides Ohio state? Okay. Ohio state, obviously <laughs> huge game. They're really good. Is there one or two games that you kind of have your eye on as, as concern or potential trap trap games or measuring stick games for Oregon? Yeah, it's so funny. I have a, a, a group chat with a couple of friends of mine, and, and every year I talk about trap games, and they just they hate that term. They don't believe in trap games, but I, I will stand on that hill until until I'm proven otherwise. And and I wrote about it in the series. I, I think the UCLA game is going to be – that's the fulcrum of the season. That's where this, the entire season shifts, the run-up to it after the Ohio State – or aside from the Ohio State game. Uh, the run-up to that UCLA game is, is pretty straightforward. Oregon should really have no problems – uh, I, I do think Stanford's going to be better than they were last year. I, I I never count out a David Shaw team, but from a talent standpoint, I mean, they just, they're, they're not where they were and Oregon is so much more talented than they, they have been. So I, you know, that, that game is always tricky on the farm, but you know, I don't envision Oregon really being challenged outside of Ohio state until that UCLA game. And, you know, we saw Oregon obviously in 2020 was not, what they were in 2019 and what I expect them to be in 2021. But we saw UCLA put up a heck of a fight last year in Austin with their backup quarterback. And, you know, Dory Thompson Robinson, I mean, he is tailor made to run a Chip Kelly offense. And it seems like Chip has kind of got things figured out a bit. Um, you know, you, you, even with a, a full crowd, if they're allowed to have it down in, down in Los Angeles, the crowd's never really a factor at UCLA. Uh, but that game, that game has me worried. It, it does. If I'm looking at a game that maybe is outside of the obvious trip to Ohio State, trip to Washington, trip to Utah, those are all going to be be tough games. But you know, in Utah's getting a lot of love. But I, I, I really do. I look at you, that UCLA game as it's not a trap necessarily because I think that Oregon will be ready, and I don't envision Mario not having them ready to go, especially after last year. I mean, they have twelve opportunity, twelve regular season opportunities to play football in front of fans. And I don't think they'll take that for granted, especially you know, coming off the last 24 months, essentially. Uh, but that one definitely, it, it has my attention. And I think it should have theirs too, because you just, you, we saw it firsthand for four years. You can never, never take the foot off the gas when you're playing a Chip Kelly team, because how many times at Oregon were they kind of sleepwalking through the first half and then walk, walked away with a 35 point win? I mean, it's just, it's too familiar. So uh, if they get through that UCLA one, that's where you really start having to have to look and think, okay, you know, they, they have Washington, they have Washington state, which you never know how they're going to look, but they get through the UCLA game. You're really starting to look at 10 and two, I think at worst and more than likely an 11 and one finish. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I do like your point there because like you said, there's a lot of potential, uh, you know, landmines there, but um, yeah, you get through UCLA, you're probably feeling pretty good there because, you know, obviously, uh, you know, three of your next uh, six games or three of your next five games are at home. Uh, you know, Washington will be Washington, of course, but it, it's not really. Washington can never be considered a trap game because everybody's up for that game. So, uh, yeah, I like your, I like your point there. Joel, uh, before we send you out here, um, you know, we're going to have you back on the pod again. This was just kind of a, an introduction and a, and a recap of, of some of your work. But, 
I don't know. Tell the people a little bit about Joel Gunderson, the guy who does other stuff besides writing. You got kids. You like to go drinking beers. You work out a ton. You play pickleball. What, what, what does Joel Gunderson do when he's not writing and working? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, my, my nine to five job, I, I work in uh, public relations marketing. Uh, yeah, we have three kids. Uh, two of them are twins. So we're, there's never a dull moment in the house. Uh, my wife and I, we, uh, yeah, we love to do uh, triathlons where we try to stay active and, yeah, uh, I enjoy a good beer. I'm not a hoppy beer like like guy like you are, I don't think, but uh, you know, enjoy a cold one. And uh, yeah, we just uh, my wife's a teacher, so we she has the summer off with the kids, and I'm working from home, so it's it's always a little bit. It's always there's always a little bit of noise in the house at all times, but you, you come to embrace it and uh, just yeah, big sports fan uh, outside of the Ducks, a Cowboys fan, Dallas Cowboys fan, which might raise some eyebrows and then a, a, a long time diehard Portland Trail Blazers fan. So a lot of things are getting tested this past year in terms of uh, being able to, to have some success with my teams. But uh, so thank God for Oregon because they seem to be holding, holding everything afloat, but no, we're just, uh, we, we live in Gresham, Oregon and uh, just try to live our lives like everyone else is right now, just trying to get through and, and looking like we're coming out the other side potentially here. So we're excited for things to get back to normal and, and, have a full season under our belt and, and have friends over to watch games and get down to Austin a few times to, for the website here to write about it. And, and just looking forward to, uh, to the rest of 2021. Well, I, I had my condolences prepared when you said you were a Cowboys <laughs> fan and, and then you said you're a Blazers fan. So I thought, Oh my God, right. We got to, oh. somebody help this man. At least you got the ducks. Double daggers. Yeah. At least yeah. you got one out of three, right? Yeah, it's funny because I've actually been a Blazers fan longer. Um, just an absolute uh, obsession from the time I could even understand what was going on. And so I, I'm one of the few people I know that despise Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I, des- I despise Kobe Bryant, even though he, you know, really admired what he turned, you know, what 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 he became after sports. So right. in high school and in middle school, I wasn't a real popular kid because there were so many Chicago Bulls starter jackets going around, and I had my my Blazers one, and and people just thought I was weird because I, I liked the local team, I guess. But uh, I stuck by it, and and to this day, I still can't buy Jordan brand stuff because that, that man ripped my heart out too many times. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you, you know, if, if you're as into the Blazers as it sounds, we could do a, a whole 15 or 20 minutes on the Blazers here, but I don't, I don't think any positive would come from a, a 15 <laughs> or 20 minute Blazer segment right now. So <laughs> you might, you might uh, get a, 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 I'm not quite as negative on Neil O'Shea as other people. So I might be able to bring something else to the table, but yeah, that's, that's a whole other can of worms right now. So we can, <laughs> we can touch on it later. Yeah. Yeah. Touch on it another time. Well, well, Joel, thank you uh, for coming on. Appreciate it. Appreciate your work. Uh, we're looking forward to what's coming next. And, uh, We'll be sure to have you on again in the next week or two as we uh, kind of just inch our way towards the season. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. And Justin, appreciate the opportunity to be part of the website. Excited for we're, uh, excited for what's to come. That makes two of us, buddy. <laughs> uh, thank you, Joel. And uh, we will have you on again soon, buddy. Yep. All right, man. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Joel. Yep, thanks. All right, Joel Gunderson. So we just crossed the hour mark. If you've listened before, you know I, I usually get a little itchy around that hour mark. I think this is probably a pretty good time to uh, wrap it up. Justin, is there anything else you want to hit on before we say sayonara for the week? No, just, uh, you know, the, uh, once again, I, I know I say it often, but appreciate everyone's support. 
Uh, everyone's support has allowed me to hire a full-time guy like Jared that will only enhance the site, only enhance the product and make your experience better, obviously at no extra charge. And then, you know, being able to, uh, you know, find guys like Joel that are just talented writers. I mean, just wanting to, you know, do some, do some of the work and, and be involved. And, uh, you know, I absolutely just love the, what, what we're doing and the trajectory that Scoop Duck itself is on. And, uh, man, I'm just so dang excited for the season to come. Okay. All right. I I agree with, with all that right there. I'm excited as well. Give me my football season back. Next week, we'll, we'll hit on uh, everything going on at fall camp and, uh, you know, just kind of keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, on, on what those two great writers are seeing and what you're seeing and hearing and what I'm seeing and hearing and reading. And, well, we'll, we'll just go from there. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, if you like the pod, please Share it with another Duck fan. I'm sure they'd like it too. And leave us a good review on whatever podcast app you use to hear this podcast. Scoop Duck and High Five. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day and go Ducks. I can do this now.